2022 is coming to a close, and it was one of the most normal years we have had in recent memory. Let's break it down this week on Fire Footwear. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Fire Footwear, the last Fire Footwear of calendar year 2022. As always, I am your host, Matty Ice, Matt Freights in the real world. I hope that this finds you well, and I hope that you are having the best possible week and that as the year comes to a close, you are thinking about the fruitful year that you had in 2022. Last episode, which was the penta-ultimate episode of this year, I gave you my sneaker of the year, and I talked about some of the best releases, or actually best sneakers that released in 2022. And the year that was of 2022, both in sneakers and out of sneakers, was filled with more stories than just the releases, and it was a very tumultuous year in many ways. But what I want to do this time is really just talk about the year that was. I want to go over it in terms of sneakers, I want to go over it in terms of my personal life, And then I want to ask you what you thought of this particular year. And as I said at the top of the show, it was packed. There was a lot of things that took place. In the sneaker world, there were a lot of headlines that didn't necessarily correlate to any releases or any of the actual shoes. There was a lot of drama that took place between some of the parties that have been involved in sneaker culture for quite a while. A lot of names that are recognizable, brands that have had long-standing partnerships with these names, and also some of these brands that have been around for decades and decades trying to get back or take back some of the sneaker culture or I guess some of the sneaker revenue that they feel as if they are losing based off of how the culture has come about. At the start of 2021, I was probably the most skeptical that I have been of the culture right now. Obviously, over the past few years, probably since the advent of StockX and GOAT, which was what, 2015 or so, I think what we've seen and what has come to fruition in many ways is that scalping has ruled the day. The sneaker culture that once existed that really was only about collecting, there certainly are collectors out there and that has a lot to do with the old heads out there, but honestly, it's a business venture now. Sneakers have become so hot, so mainstream, so seen in the public eye that people know that there is a financial gain to be had. And as I said last time, and I will continue to say until the end of time, I don't begrudge any of that. I don't begrudge anybody listening who has made a lot of money off reselling or who goes at every single release with the hope of making as much of a profit as they can. It's the way that this system works. It's the way that our economy works. You are incentivized to try and do that because we're always looking to win in the margins. That's in sports, in sneakers, in life. We're always trying to win in between the lines and wins don't just mean money. They mean everything else. So throughout the entirety of the year, there were a lot of topics that came about that really had nothing to do with the shoes themselves, but honestly are going to affect the future of the shoes that we keep talking about and keep loving in 2023 and beyond. To me, I think the biggest story of the year was the relationship between Kanye and Adidas. A few weeks ago, I did an episode about that, trying to be as neutral as possible in talking about the situation. Kanye's beliefs, they're his beliefs. He certainly can act the way that he wants to. He can say the things that he wants to. And at the end of the day, Adidas as a brand and as a business decided that they were going to part ways with Kanye. 
What's so crazy about that is that Yeezy is probably 1A or 1B in terms of the biggest brands and most notable brands in sneakers today. I think it's Jordans and Yeezys, and then the rest of the list can actually be debated, essentially. I don't think that it's crazy or astronomically wild to say that Yeezy was coming up on Jordan brand in terms of popularity and probably even money made. And that was all from the brain of Kanye West. Say what you want about him as a person, say what you want about the journey he has been on through mental health over the last six or seven years. His mind has created some of the most iconic shoes that we know in sneakers today, and nobody can take that away from him. What Adidas has taken away from him is his ability to make money off of that through Adidas. So Adidas is going to keep those silhouettes. They claim that they own the copyrights to all of those designs, and they are going to put those out without the Yeezy branding on it. And in that episode, I asked you, what was a Yeezy? Was a Yeezy still a Yeezy if it didn't say Yeezy on it? And we're going to find out. There's not a lot of hope on the horizon for Yeezy. Normally coming into a new year, there's a ton of rumored colorways and silhouettes that are coming out. And I mean, we can really guess what some of those are going to be, can't we? Obviously, there would be 350s, some 700s, maybe some 500s, some of the slides, all the stuff that we have seen come out over and over and over again. We know that Yeezy is pretty consistent in what they come out with. But now with Yeezy at the helm and Kanye having moved on to something else and really is just sort of a nomad in sneakers right now, we don't really know what that future holds. But I think all of that is more interesting than just the shoes. I think Kanye's journey down this path has been very interesting to watch. Obviously, his comments about anti-Semitism, about George Floyd, everything he's been commenting on. It's worth watching because I really believe that Kanye's mental health is at the forefront and I'm not sure that it's being taken care of by a lot of the people in his inner circle and that has led to a lot of the fracturing of these relationships. I don't know for sure, that's recklessly speculative on my part, I'm just going by what we see in the news. And when we're talking about big names, Kyrie Irving is another athlete that has been associated with the sneaker brand Nike for quite a while. Kyrie every year would come out with a new model of his Kyrie line, and some of them had some really great drops. I remember the SpongeBob line a few years back. That was a great drop. Kyrie got himself into a little bit of hot water last year with all this pandemic stuff and all the vaccination stuff, and I have my personal thoughts on that. But this year, he got himself in real hot water for essentially tweeting or publishing on social media about some movie or documentary on Amazon. And what we know is that documentary had a lot of basically conspiracy theories around whether the Holocaust actually happened. But really, the entirety of that documentary was about black people going back to their Hebrew roots. And while that is innocent enough, a lot of the conspiracy theorists about the fact that the Holocaust didn't happen, it really was furthering an anti-Semitic viewpoint. And that's not really that great. And Kyrie had chances to sort of walk it back. He had chances to apologize and he didn't really take it. And again, Nike and the NBA and the Brooklyn Nets, they're all businesses in their own right. And Nike decided to cut ties with Kyrie. Now, I will say this about about this relationship. And I think it's very similar to Kanye and Adidas. There had been some friction over the years between them. The last Kyrie, I believe, was not signed off by him. There was a lot of drama with that. So both parties are at fault in some way. But ultimately, Nike, having the footing to really have some leverage here, decided that Kyrie was not worth it. And so that's two huge relationships that have been fractured this year. Kanye and Adidas have been around for a while, and Kyrie and Nike have been doing their thing for a while, and they're going to be moving on. Nike is going to be just fine, obviously. Kyrie has made a lot of money over his time. He may sign on with something else, but obviously basketball and sneakers and all that is not really the most important thing in his life, and no shade here at all. For Kanye, again, he's going to have a little bit more trouble kind of swimming out of this hole here. 
and I'm not sure what's going to happen. Continuing down the path of some of the highlights of this year, really some of the headlines, I think Balenciaga made news in all the wrong ways, just like Kanye and Kyrie did, but I think theirs was a little bit less egregious in some ways. And let me say this, child labor is a bad thing. It's never something that objectively we're going to look at and say it's okay. Does it happen in some countries? Yes, it does. The class systems that exist throughout the entire world are much different than they are here in the States. And the class system, class warfare does exist here. It's just not as overt as the haves versus the have-nots in terms of slavery and child labor and other things. So there is a little bit of a difference there. But Balenciaga put out their holiday ad and they use children in their ad. Now, this is something that's pretty commonplace throughout fashion and commonplace throughout apparel. But I think what was a misstep was using what looked like BDSM imagery in these particular photos in these ads. And I think what the intent was, was not what it was perceived as. So the people seeing this ad perceived it as something that was very inappropriate, that sort of was borderline on child labor and child pornography. I don't think that was their intent, but when I say this, I say there's a lot of people who look at these ads as they go through the pipeline of approvals. As somebody who works in the federal government, I can tell you how many levels of approval there are just for some of the most mundane press releases that we put out. And in this particular case, I'm surprised that somebody along the way didn't say, it's a little weird, isn't it? I think that's all it really comes down to. Now, they apologize profusely in the public eye, which every company's going to do. I actually kind of long for the day where a company says, no, we definitely meant to do that. Screw you. I don't think it'll ever happen. I don't think it's worth noting in the sense that Balenciaga is going to go out of business. I think if anything puts them out of business, it's putting out these shoes that look like they've been through a fire and then asking people to pay $2,000. But I think this was pretty innocent, but it did kind of make the headlines and went fast and furious for a little bit there back in October, early November. It's cooled down a little bit now, but it was something of note and I thought it was worth mentioning here. And now we get to Nike. So I already talked about the fact that Nike severed their relationship with Kyrie Irving. And honestly, that's one thing. They have been waging war against some things and against some companies that I have found really interesting. The first thing is earlier this year, they sued StockX because they purchased some shoes off StockX that are supposed to be verified authentic and what they were sent were fakes. This is not the first time we have heard this. We've seen a lot of consumers talk about this on Twitter and Instagram and a lot of other places. It's kind of been a joke, the StockX authentication process, and there have been TikToks and other things about it. It's kind of amusing. But when one of the companies that is out here putting out their copyrighted material is getting fakes from StockX, who supposedly is paying people to authenticate and you yourself are paying a little bit of a premium, even though they tell you that it's free, there's obviously some fees that are built in there that are going toward that particular venture. Nike was not having this. And so they sued StockX. I thought that was very, very interesting. Also thought it was interesting that Nike sued them over their NFT stuff. NFTs have been kind of this new craze now. I'm probably at that point where I'm an old man. I don't really understand the concept of them in terms of sneakers, but hey. So Nike and StockX have kind of been going at it for a while. Nike also decided they were going to wage war on resellers and bots. And while StockX is a reselling platform, I think what they're going after are the people that are actually selling on there. When I say resellers here, I don't mean that you buy a shoe and maybe you flip it because it's not your thing, or maybe you accidentally get two because everybody has to put out for different raffles and so many different sneakers apps and all that stuff, and you get one and you make a little bit of money. I'm talking about the people that are out here trying to get as many pairs as possible so they can flip every single pair, and they are using bots in a lot of ways 
to basically get as many shoes as they can. And recently, Nike did come out with some of the statistics around that and how a great percentage of a lot of these drops on sneakers are actually bots that need to be taken out. So if you even calculate the fact that let's say Travis Scott had a shoe come out and a million people went after it, what Nike has been telling us is that 20% or 25% are all bots. So imagine if those were in there, how le even less of a chance that we would have. It's basically like the lottery. Nike said they were gonna start using the sneakers app to do so, and they were gonna start flagging people as resellers or bots, and they were going to be canceling and returning some of these purchases. At the time, I kind of opined as to how are they going to do that? Because the way that I see it happening is that so many of us that have been down on their luck trying to get a shoe will finally hit, and then we'll be marked off as a reseller or a bot when this is the first time in years that we've actually hit. I talked about this in the Jordan 1 Lost and Found. Nike was giving exclusive access in the sneakers app for the Jordan 1 Lost and Found to people who had lost 20 or more raffles for Jordan 1s. To me, that is a great thing. To me, that is getting around the idea of resellers and bots because you're looking at people who have lost so often and you have to think to yourself, those people are really trying. When there's people who just get win after win after win, and then you see that they're winning in a lot of different pairs that are getting all sent to the same address. So there are ways in which Nike can combat this, but I think that in its execution, it actually should have happened a long time ago. And that was something that I asked is why did it take this long? Speaking of StockX, by the way, StockX has been moving away from the idea of verified authentic. That is language that they have been using since their advent and they're not using it anymore. And a lot of people have been joking about the fact that StockX is turning into a joke because they're not willing to put themselves out there and they're not willing to be able to authenticate in the proper way so that they themselves feel 100% that they are giving you an authentic sneaker. By moving away from that language, they are essentially moving away from the customer. And I think that's worth noting because StockX has been 1A or 1B in this equation. But honestly, I think that GOAT is still there and they are aptly named at this point. And eBay, I think, is making a huge push upward. We're seeing a lot of other marketplaces come out with much better authentication than StockX. And so it's almost as if they're conceding and throwing up the white flag. Something to watch. The last thing in terms of headlines was Travis Scott's return. Last year, Travis Scott had quite a year with the Astroworld tragedy, people dying at his concert, and it seemed like he knew something was going on and still kept the concert going. That's old news, but he came back and I had wondered what it would be like. And usually in today's world, you take a little bit of a cool off period, you come back and everything is fine. The grass is always greener on the other side. That's pretty much what happened here. And he has come out with a bunch of shoes this year. They've all sold pretty well, except for maybe the Air Trainers, maybe some of the Air Maxes, but honestly, people are still cool with it. And that's kind of a perfect segue into some of the notable drops for the year. Obviously, there were a ton of drops, one a week, basically, multiple a week. So there's no way that I could keep track of all of them. But I went through the calendar and tried to pick some of the ones that I felt were at least notable. Speaking of Travis Scott, the reverse mochas came out. They nearly broke the sneakers app. I think like 2 million people went after that in the draw. That's insane his Air Max 1 series, and now he's coming back with the all-black low tops. And from what I understand, there's one more Jordan 1 low top for Travis Scott coming out, and then he's done. He's already oversaturated the market. In my opinion, there's too much of a good thing, and Travis Scott has kind of gone past the point of too much of a good thing for these Jordan 1 lows, and I think it's time to move on to something else. The Union Dunks, which I said were my sneaker of the year, the pistachios, that line was very good. Their Jordan 2s were very good. I think what's notable about this is the fact that those drops were so protected from bots. I think that's amazing. Anytime a company or a boutique does something to make us, the sneaker lover and consumer, feel like we have a better chance of getting it, they're doing the right thing. 
And piggybacking off of that, Ama Manier had two great releases this year, which not only were really great in terms of the release itself and the smoothness of it, but the Jordan 2 and Jordan 4 collaborations that they had were just amazing. They continue to release the classics, and I love that they've done a Jordan 1 through 4. I love that each has its own story or is building on the story of the original, and they're not stopping. It looks like there's going to be a Jordan 12 on the way. I would love to continue to see them put their design elements on it, maybe shift over to a new color or maybe some new color palettes. But still, I think what they're doing is amazing, and the stories that are associated are just wonderful. The Jordan 1 Reimagine obviously has to be on this list. Obviously, your mileage varies in whether you like that or not, but to me, the nostalgia factor and all that, the weathered sole, the weathered leather and all that is really, really cool. And I thought the story behind it and the concept was really great. There's the 21 Louis Vuitton Air Force Ones, which were obviously a continuation of Virgil's vision. For most of us, that is well out of our price range, but obviously that has produced some of the greatest shoes and most expensive shoes on the resale market this year. Mellow Ball's first PE, his Puma Rick and Morty themed shoe, I thought was amazing. They're actually always on a lot of these lists of top 10 shoes this year. Huge Rick and Morty fan and anything that takes inspiration from it. It was really cool to see a two-tone look to it when you have one red shoe and one green shoe. A lot of times that might look weird. Somehow it all worked. Keeping with basketball shoes, the Mambasita Kobe 6 Protros, they were obviously honoring Kobe's late daughter Gigi. He and his daughter obviously died tragically in that helicopter accident in 2020. Really should have been a sign of things to come for that year, but what a crazy thing. This shoe, seeing Kobe and the Protros back on the list for Nike, keeping that relationship going, I thought that was really cool, and for it to obviously be honoring his late daughter was wonderful. And last was the Tom Sachs all-purpose shoe. I thought that was really cool because Tom Sachs is obviously known for the Mars Yard 1.0 and 2.0, and those are just astronomically high in terms of resale. And I love the concept behind it in that he was saying, sneakers are not everything. They're not that important. He made something plain, and what they did was have a lot of different releases and restocks of it. And I think they're planning more this year, more restocks, I mean. And I think that that's really, really cool. Give the sneakers back to the consumer, back to the lovers. I think that's wonderful. So how was my year? Well, my year in sneakers was actually very, very quiet. In past years, I've been trying, like many of you, to get as many sneakers as I can. This year, I actually prioritized owning shoes that I would actually wear. I sold off a lot of my collection. I still have a significant collection, don't get me wrong. But I sold them off to better homes, people I knew who were going to be able to rock them or wanted to rock them. Even though I like them and they're objectively a great shoe, they just didn't really fit into my aesthetic and I knew that I wasn't going to get enough use out of them for the amount of money that I paid for them, so I tried to send them to a better home. And this year honestly was the least tuned in I have been to sneakers in a while. I dropped out of Soul Savvy and I really just took a little bit of time away from the culture. Obviously I still love it, I still watch videos and I still kept up a little bit on a lot of the news and releases, but I was not nearly tuned into how many releases there were because I just wasn't trying to cop. And I think taking that gear off really helped. I missed a lot of drops, but I didn't have FOMO over it. And then in September, I decided to bring back this podcast to pay a little bit more attention to the culture because what I found out is that a lot of you were still listening even though I wasn't coming out with content. To take a seven-month hiatus in content creation in just about any medium, most of the time, people forget about it. Our attention spans are about five seconds long these days. And so to see people continue to come back and come back, and then one day in September, it hit on an Apple podcast chart. That was a sign. I'm so glad that I brought it back. And I'm so glad that you have continued to listen and that more of you have come on and I've seen more and more new listeners. On a personal note, 2022 was a great year for me and my family. My son continues to grow up and to see that journey is just a wonderful thing. 
We were able to do nice things for our home, spend time with family. It really was a quality year. I'm a very, very fortunate person. And I'm very fortunate to not only have the great things that I have in my life, but to have you as well. What did your 2022 look like in both sneakers and real life? Obviously, I hope that it was what you wanted and it was wonderful, but if it wasn't what you wanted, what will you do to make it better in 2023? Even if we think that we are hopeless, there is always something that we can do to make it better. Sometimes it's somebody else. Sometimes it maybe is getting a little bit of luck, but do not ever give up because there is always hope out there. And I will always try and convince you that it's worth continuing to fight. Before I get you out of here, if you want to connect with the show, you can hit me up on Instagram at firefootwearpod is the handle. If you want to find me personally on Twitter at Freights is the handle. If you have any questions or comments for me, firefootwearpod at gmail.com is the email. I'd love to hear from you. Please support the Matty Ice Media Network, which is what this podcast is on, including all other shows like the Iceman and Coach Sports Show, Political Football, The Manual. There's a lot of different stuff. 2023 is going to be a big year for us. And if you're listening on Apple and Spotify, please throw me a follow and a rating. They help me get on the charts and they help us grow. And the more growing that I can do, the more connection that I can have with you. I hope that you have a very happy new year. And I hope that the new year 2023 brings you everything that you want and that it continues to bring you happiness, health, and safety. I will talk to you all next year. This is Fire Footwear. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Fire Footwear are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Fire Footwear is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.